Welcome to the 4 for Friday podcast. I am Will Robb. He is Michael Girdley. We do four questions and about how long do we like to spend on each question? Uh, we do two kind of short, two, two to three minutes, and then we do two long ones that are five to seven. Okay. Uh, Michael, I'm going to ask our first question because it's about your new business, your Toro Coffee. Oh, yeah. You have one store. About how many weeks into it are you? Seven weeks since we opened. Seven weeks since opening. And how, how many weeks and months did you work to get it open before that? Uh, we had the idea basically in May and started in earnest first week of June. Yeah. Okay. What, what has been the biggest surprise in the first seven weeks of having an open store? Um, surprisingly, how interested people are in it. Like, it's there's a universe of things I'm working on, and this is of business things. Like, this is a real serious business, but it's, it's not one of the biggest things of my time. But it has really surprised me how fascinated everybody is with this. Like, so it's value as a conversation topic. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah people are fascinated by it. It's, especially when I talk about it on Twitter, like I live tweet, like, Hey, we had a good Wednesday, everybody. They're like, yeah. Hooray. And <laughs> meanwhile, like, you know, uh, the software stuff I'm involved in or the fireworks company, like, you know, those are all meaningful, an order of magnitude, meaningful things, bigger, sometimes multiple orders of magnitude and nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares, but they, the drive through coffee place, like everybody wants to talk about that. Well, the fireworks business can be that like that a lot. Some of the time people get interested in that. You're kind uh, of bored with it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely much more relatable, but it's a curiosity. I, I think, I think in retrospect, the coffee business seems to, to your every man, the coffee business must come across just as something like, Oh, like this is achievable. This is a real business. I understand how this works. Like, like there's something here that's that's relatable to me. Whereas I think those other things I'm involved in, like I've intentionally kind of chose difficult things to be in or things where I feel like I have unfair advantages. And uh, the coffee thing, like it's much more achievable, right? Like it's, it's approachable for sure. Yeah, everybody drinks coffee. So maybe it's a little bit like uh, everybody has opinion in the residential real estate market. Everybody oh, lives yeah. in a house. Everybody knows people who lives in a, house or an apartment. So they all have opinions about it. It's easy yeah. to watch them HGTV. Uh, we all have experience with coffee. So we all have opinions about it and are interested in it. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing I may have, uh, I may have really stirred it up a little bit because uh, most people who start companies and start doing things don't have a ton of vulnerability. Um, and so like one of the things I did was like, we had a draft of our menu and I like put it on the internet. And I was like, what do you guys think about this? And people hated it. Like, they were like, this is terrible. You're totally screwing it up. And like, it really made us a better business. Like we probably saved us tens of thousands of dollars because we were okay, mostly me, being okay to put a draft of our menu on the internet and all these like randos in Ohio or whatever telling us we're morons. Like, it was great. It was, the best. It was like millions of dollars of free consulting. Right. You think that was better than money spent having a focus group and a real consultant tell you how to uh, make your menu? For, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I don't know if I would have believed them, but when like a hundred people all say the same thing to you on the internet, it's like, okay, well maybe slow down and listen. <laughs> and, and, and that was helpful. Good, good. 
You want to move on to the next question? Why don't you sure. ask the next question? Uh, Will. I'm going to use my definite like late night radio voice tonight. I think I'm going to take, I, I think that's what the, the internet needs. If you were to buy a single tenant, triple net property, Will, what type of tenant or business would you want? That was kind of like a movie preview voice. <laughs> In a world where, <laughs> where, where Will buys any single tenant property. Uh, okay, if you were to buy a single tenant triple net property, so triple net, just for those of you listening at home, triple net is uh, is what? It's uh, where all the expenses are covered by the the tenant, the uh, operating expenses, the real estate taxes, and the insurance. So that's the the landlord just kind of gets to take the check from the tenant, and the uh, and the tenant is responsible for running, managing, and paying for the expenses of the property. Okay. Uh, and this works out especially good with single tenant deals where there's just the one building. And so it's yeah. real clear what the tenant's responsibilities are. Uh, I think I'd be interested in uh, a pharmacy, a Walgreens or a Rite Aid or a CVS or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're not taking into the fact like those are all like cap rated to hell. So cap rate is the market market price that's being traded to these a return on investment like the, don't those all traded like four caps or something like four percent trade at between four and a half and five and a half caps yeah so you know i think there's an interesting aspect to this where you could go look and say which which asset which tenant type is underappreciated by your average single tenant um you know real estate investor so you so. think that you might be interested if it were you you'd look for like a yield seeking triple net property uh, I think there's an inflection with risk adjusted return. Uh, you know, you're getting with a Walgreens or a CVS, like you're paying for a, a low likelihood of default and those things don't fail and they're pretty good at picking locations. And the uh, there's a ton of tailwinds for the things that they're selling and healthcare is not getting fixed anytime soon. Like, I think that's all like that's priced in. So I would be curious if you were to be looking for returns, can you find something that's uh, a category that's that's underpriced? from a risk-adjusted return standpoint? I think if you're looking for underpriced single-tenant triple-net property, you're going to look at like local credit tire stores, like a discount tire, not a, a chain or franchise or corporate tire right. store, but like a locally owned one. Uh, and I think the point of buying a single-tenant triple-net property is you're looking for that really low probability of uh, default or, or vacancy because you're trying to get yourself a low risk investment. And that's the one big risk you really have to understand. Well, you need a lot of term yeah. on your lease and you, you want to make sure you have credit because it does you little good. If you have a, you know, an eight cap on a business that disappears six months into your ownership period, if For you sure. have trouble backfilling the space. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is what I want then. It's pretty straightforward. Marijuana retail. I want it. We're trading 18 cap. Let's do this. Three, two, one, go pay me, pay me in a combination of kind bud, Bitcoin and random cash deposits. I will take my rent. However, it shows up. <laughs> okay. You don't want, you don't want to take your rent in the form of CBD oil. No, I once wrote the good stuff only. All right, okay. let's move on. Let's move on to question number three. <laughs> Whose question uh, is this? Why don't you go ahead and ask it? Okay. Are sneaky kids acceptable? Should you be okay that your kids, how should you feel about your kids being sneaky? Do you, uh, I think if your kids are sneaky, your kids are normal. Yeah. I think you have to parent around it and teach them not to be sneaky. But this is something that all kids kind of learn to 
to deal with and understand on their own. And, and of course they're going to try to circumvent the rules. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I put this question in because I caught my 11 year old son yesterday being super sneaky. Uh, when I woke up at two in the morning, cause I couldn't sleep and I walk into the kitchen and I found out he was, uh, removing and putting back, uh, his iPad at two in the morning on a school night when he had been watching videos and uh, being a bad kid, and he had turned off the ch- the child lock on our internet by breaking into my phone. So I was like, "What are you doing out here?" So he has multiple transgressions, right? He's he's uh, watching videos or using his iPad when he's not supposed to be using it, and there, he knows there's a rule around that. And he found he found your phone and figured out how to open it and take off the child lock on the internet. Uh yes. And then lied about it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Uh, you know, I think I'm a two minds. One is like, I'm like, okay, this is pretty sneaky. Like this is a smart kid. Like he figured out how to solve a problem. Uh, the other part of it is it just gets annoying and, and gross that you feel like you're teaching your kids that it's okay to be sneaky and cheaty on on that stuff and so i'm of two minds where i'm like oh congratulations you know like pretty smart uh, it's, it's a smart cookie and figured that out and then the other part is like man what where did i go wrong that the kid thinks it's okay to break rules so blatantly and just do something so self-destructive staying up until 2 a.m on a school night when you're 11 like come on uh i think the kind of the classic parent response to that would be well i'm kind of mad about what you did but I'm really mad that you lied about it after you got caught. That is right. Yeah. So did you try that route or or were you kind of laughing on the inside and having a hard time uh, coming down on him? Uh, Mostly I was just an innocent bystander because mom was not happy. (laughs) (laughs) It was not, there was not, yeah, I was, there was not much parenting going on by me. I was speaking of innocent bystanders. I was totally innocent bystander. Okay, then. All right. Uh, so, so I think we decided sneaky kids are not acceptable, but a little bit funny. They're kids. I mean, that's the other thing. They're children. <laughs> They're going to act like it sometimes. Like, that's, that's the mindset that I keep trying to give myself about being a parent. Like, past a certain point, your job is not actually to make sure everything goes perfectly in a kid's life. Your job is actually to do your best to try to make them the best adults they can be. And some nasty stuff happens along the way when you're doing that process. So it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to internalize that, especially if you're transitioning from younger kids, I think. Yeah. All right. Last question. Last question. Uh, is it, it's your turn to ask a question. Yeah. Will. In a world with COVID, is it safe to go back to co-working spaces yet? There's a little bit of like maybe like a Euro trash accent in the beginning of that. Will, your, on your new in a world. radio movie preview voice. In a world. Uh, I think it's too early to go back into co-working spaces. Uh, if you have a co-working space situation where you have a private office, that's probably acceptable. But just the general pool, it's like, Oh, try to hold out for another six or nine weeks, though. That's what I think. Yeah, it's in no, no, no. <laughs> You're out on co-working spaces. 
right now? No, that's yeah. a terrible idea. I mean, we do have our, our local co-working space here in San Antonio is doing a nice job of weekly testing. So like, if you want to go into the co-working space, you have to go through weekly testing. But beyond that, like, it just makes zero sense whatsoever. Like, no. Like, you just don't know who you're going to see or how, what they've been doing. How, you know, it's an enclosed space. There's no logic to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't see why. It's not worth the risk. I went to one like two months ago. Uh, and I kind of looked around to see the risk when I got there. And uh, there's basically nobody else there. Like a, a 5,000 square foot building. And there was maybe one coworker and one, one co-working uh, space personnel person there. Yeah. And I managed to find like a private office. So was it, was it one of those ones where they have the, the dance club as part of it or, or not? No. And the, uh, the, the communal gym was closed, I think. Oh. Well, yeah, the one with the dance club, they call it, they call it we twerk. We twerk. <laughs> <laughs> you really worked to set that one up for yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, see you have young children. So your dad joke skills are not up to par yet. My kids hate that joke, by the way. They think it's the worst. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see if our listeners like it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, for Michael, for being on the podcast today. You got anything else you want to add? Amazing. Yeah, I had an amazing, amazing podcast this week, and I'm looking forward to getting this one up. And uh, I did do more to publicize our our last episode and because some of my friends were asking, like, where's the podcast? So um, our loyal fans were were interested. So back on the horse of promoting and grateful to everybody that uh, takes some time out of their week to spend it with us. All right. Thanks everybody. Bye.